Welcome to Chaintech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain. From early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chantech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry, from the Global Supply Chain Council. And I'm joined today, like usual, with my co-host, Sandeep. Uh, hi, Sandeep. How are you? Oh, hi, Max. I'm doing good. Hi, Adil. Good to see you. You would like hey, to introduce guys. yourself, uh, Sandeep, quickly to, to, to the audience as well, before I, yeah. I bring so, Adil here. Uh, my name is Sandeep. I work with uh, Deloitte India, uh, primarily in the supply chain domain. And I think uh, the topic which we are going to talk, it's very close to my heart. So I hope to have a very, very interesting conversation with Adil. Okay, great to have you again today for today's interview. So I want to thank you again for uh, all of you joining us for this new episode of the show. As as you know, we are hosting some of the most uh, interesting, uh, exciting founders, you know, which are working in the field of supply chain and logistics in Asia. And we're going to be discussing again the rapid rise of supply chain, logistic and procurement technology across the region. As we jump into today's conversation, I also want to make sure that you are aware of the Chaintech platform that we recently launched. Uh, we have created this marketplace, you know, creating and listing all the most exciting uh, solution uh, coming from a different startup in Asia. You can uh, visit it at chaintech.net. And also, if you're interested to get uh, and watch or li- at least listen to the previous episode of Chaintech, uh, you can also go to chaintech.show uh, where we have all the previous episodes and you can also uh, you know, su- subscribe on Spotify, Android, and Apple uh, podcasts as well. All right, so today we are joined by, uh, we'd like to introduce you quickly to Adil Nisavora, who is the co-founder of OR Technology, who is based in Pakistan. So welcome, Adil. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Max. And hello, Sandeep. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so Adil, we, as, as we always do with our you know, interview, we want to understand where you come from. Uh, how did you get started? So maybe, well, let's uh, take us back uh, from the early age, uh, not not too young, maybe, but, you know, when, let me tell us, well, uh, where did you study university and how did you actually get started and uh, in your career? So I was born and brought up in Karachi, so which is one of the biggest cities in Pakistan. And my entire schooling was from there. So I was from St. Patrick's High School. It was a convent missionary school in Karachi. And then uh, I did my A-levels there. And from there on, I went to IBA, which is one of the premier business schools in Pakistan, and did my bachelor's in accounting and finance. But I think the real journey actually started after graduation when I joined Kareem uh, as an intern. So I was basically in their business development team, helping uh, the, the corporate sales team in getting key accounts. And that's where my journey started. Karim is, for some of the people we don't know, is one of the leading uh, players in Pakistan, right? So Karim okay. is uh, one of the biggest players in the region. If you especially look at the tech ecosystem, it was one of the early players who came in and all obviously impacted uh, a lot of lives in the region and also inspired a lot of founders like me to start my start with, start up their own companies. Okay, they so after have a yeah. uh, yes, present in the Middle East, right? So Karim. Karim is uh, based out of the Middle East, but they operate across the MENAP region. So from Middle East, North Africa, Pakistan. Okay. And then after you moved to Daraz, which is also a well-known company. So just to take you through a bit of Karim, because that was the most significant um, uh, timeline uh, in my life. So I initially, I was an intern there, but within a month, I was promoted to a business development executive. So I was actually leading the B2B vertical across Pakistan. So I, I'm pretty sure you would know about Uber for Business, but Kareem had also started offering its corporate solution. So we were working with tier one companies 
like so very big telecom companies were companies that had a th- thousand plus employees and gave them transportation as a solution so their admin their administration could manage the entire uh, ride experience for their employees without the hassle of reimbursements and it was just a more convenient experience for the employees to bill all their rights to the company and also offered a premium SLA than the normal consumer market. So th- th- these, the, the employees would get better created captains. They would get a higher quality of service and also more reliability. So we worked across Pakistan and onboarded about a uh, very big company. So I was uh, managing about 10,000 plus employees and that contributed to a significant uh, chunk of GMV in Pakistan. Uh, later on, we hacked the product. So like startups are all about growth hacking. So we had the same solution, but we hacked it for restaurants. So we offered restaurants an on-demand delivery experience. So restaurants like KFC would hit their peak hours during lunch and dinner, and they would get short of riders, delivery mm-hmm. riders. So essentially, it was a B2B sale where they could hail a rider from Kareem's platform, and that rider would fulfill the order on behalf of KFC. So it was not an order generation platform, but just an on-demand delivery platform. So that worked out pretty well. So we started operating with KFC, McDonald's, Subway. And then from one city, we eventually uh, grew to uh, five cities in Pakistan. And then that laid the foundation for Kareem Foods, which became a separate vertical uh, afterwards. Okay. Uh, Afterwards, yes. Ideal. Just to, sorry to interrupt you, but for people who don't actually understand what Pakistan represents, can you, because a lot of people overseas don't realize the size of a market. Can you just, in, in, with a few numbers, give us what Pakistan looks like today? Yeah? I think that's a very good question. Uh, Pakistan is a, is a very big country. It's the fifth most populous country in the world with around 220 million people living in yeah. a very small space. Uh, we have about uh, five big cities, so Karachi, Lahore, Islamabad, Multan, and Tatabad. Uh, those are more uh, of our urban population, and most of our economy is actually driven by agriculture. Uh, but we have seen uh, recently that there has been a rise in the ecosystem, especially with new startups coming in. So after Kareem, there have been multiple startups that are operating in uh, numerous verticals. So uh, there's the B2B e-commerce side, and there's a B2C e-commerce side. And there are a lot of companies operating in the quick commerce side. Uh, that is eventually because there, in the last decade, there has been a rise in the availability of internet. So having a country with 220 million people and giving them access to internet has led to be one of the, like one of the most significant emerging markets. Yeah. Uh, and the opportunity is that it's completely untapped. There are a lot of inefficiencies. And uh, that's why a lot of startups these days are actually figuring, like focusing on just solving those inefficiencies in different verticals. So whether it be supply chain, logistics, trucking, end-to-end visibility, or just access to basic infrastructure. So uh, Pakistan offers that massive uh, space for people to, and young people to come in and experiment with their thoughts and obviously make big companies out of Pakistan. So like you mentioned, Kareem is that example because the founder of Kareem was actually a Pakistani and his emphasis in his mission was to impact Pakistan the same okay. as the Middle East. Yeah. Okay. And on a lighter note, and I think... If you look uh, at the, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and if you look at it, so if, you, if you've if you been to Egypt, so I would compare Pakistan and Egypt to be very similar mm-hmm. uh, in terms of market characteristics. But uh, since Egypt, the distribution is very linear in the sense that all the cities are mostly placed near the Nile, whereas in Pakistan, we have it's a vast country where we have multiple cities in far wide areas. So the distribution networking here is pretty different. But in terms of the local demographic, it's mostly like Egypt. Okay. On yes, a lighter note, I think uh, some of the best uh, cricketing. Uh, Icons and the hockey icons are from <laughs> that country because I'm a huge fan of Vasim Akram, so I know it how it is. And okay, yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> cricket. Pakistan that's a, that's for another that's for another show. Yeah, we can talk about cricket another time. But okay, so let, I don't want to spend too much yeah. time. So you work at Karim, then you moved. You had a quick uh, stunt at, at Daraz, and then 
you actually set up your first company called Novoli back in 2019, uh, and that was you were ma- you know basically uh, you know uh, developing and 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 uh, and making LED uh, uh, lighting uh, in Pakistan. But let's talk about OR. Uh, you know, why did you, how did you get started with Aurora and why did you actually follow this company? It's, uh, so the foundations for Aurora are pretty linked to Novo. So while I was uh, set out on the mission of selling LED lights and bulbs across Pakistan, what I saw was that there is no route to market for the lighting category. So I was doing my own sourcing. I was doing my own manufacturing and then also distribution. So if you look at the traditional principal wholesaler trader relationship, which exists for FMCG or for other categories. So this was a complete white space. So uh, the blocker was, so if I was a small medium business and if I wanted to expand, I had to go into the other region, set up my own warehouse, uh, firstly find the real estate, invest in the advanced rents. Then after that, if I know that this space would serve as a good good distribution point for me, then I would invest in CAPEX, so pellets, lighting, all of that stuff, and then look for a team. Like, you know, I would have to hire a team uh, that's skilled in some form of supply chain training or distribution or order management, and then have sales bookers. Uh, after that, I would need a software to manage all of that. So I, I would be in another city and I would need some sort of visibility. So all of, if you include all of those hurdles, it would, so it would take you about five or six months and a lot of capital just to expand into another city. So just an example, I did that. So I went to another city. I opened up a warehouse, uh, hired, uh, hired, hired my team, implemented a software. But even after that, what I saw was that I was not. So firstly, yes, there was an impact. So moving into another city, I unlocked or increased my top line by 30%, which meant automatically, obviously, if I'm operating in another city, I'm able to generate more sales. But the downside was I was not 100% utilizing my warehouse because I had that background from Kareem of number crunching and doing all the unit economics working. So I realized like on average, I'm just using my warehouse to a maximum of 50%. So 50% of that direct cost or indirect cost that I've invested in is actually going to waste. So that's where I connected with Raza. Raza at that point in time was the CFO of one of the largest distribution houses in Pakistan. We basically got on a call and it was actually a very lengthy call because we, so I basically, I didn't have any prior knowledge of how distribution would work or how traditional distribution would work, but I had this use case in my mind. And we discussed like how the infrastructure is there and how there's a complete lack of 3PL partners, especially for the SMBs and the middle enterprises. So we realized that we have to have this infrastructure to empower small and medium brands to grow. So obviously these brands cannot invest in a huge chunk of capital, but they would still want to grow. And as we've seen the uh, ecosystem in Pakistan developing, so a lot of young people were coming in and starting up their own startups instead of just joining uh, large MNCs or large corporates. So the trend was you start up an e-commerce brand or you start up your own shop and start selling from there. And the intent was to grow. So these people are actually more digital savvy. So that's where we realized that we need to create a shared infrastructure for distribution. And that's how Aware was formed. So I left Novo because we realized that this is a big opportunity in Pakistan. Uh, it's a complete white space. Everyone is, so if you see over the last years, there has been a certain technological transformation in the B2B in the last month. So e-commerce, so from yeah. drugstore to consumer or courier companies. But if you look at the B2B supply chain stream, it's completely manual, antiquated, mm-hmm. unintelligent. Everything is happening through pen and paper, emails, WhatsApps. All of that, so there's statistics which says that about 80% of supply chain data is actually imprisoned in just emails. And if you imagine, if you yeah. want to make a call on your supply chain based on those numbers, so that would basically be a very miscalculated call. So that would directly result into lost sales. So either you will not be covering uh, a certain area of the demand or you would have uh, uh, stock overstock loss. So you would have stored your inventory in one place and you would invested in everything, but you would 
not be able to move that out. Okay. So we wanted to create a very flexible model where companies can easily scale up and scale down their supply chain and give them a connected world of distribution where they could obviously grow more, like cover more areas and regions and also be built in a very variable and flexible manner. Okay. Uh, yeah. Adil, uh, you know, if I understand clearly, I mean, uh, are you saying that today in Pakistan, uh, the distributors of the free PL are not able to provide these kind of solutions? The free PLs don't have a value-added services to, to support those uh, those brands and on the other side, the distributors are too, are too traditional and they are not tech, tech savvy enough. Yes. And uh, just to add to that, it's a funny story. I, when I was at Nova, I actually called one of the premier 3PL companies in Pakistan. And what they told me was that they would, when, when if I want to work with them, firstly, I'll have to pay a minimum chargeable and then I'll have to enter into a five-year contract. So that's okay, like so. a block, like entry of barrier for a small medium business. Uh, I cannot go into that contract may basically because I don't have those volumes. And then if you look at these three PLs, they're mostly just focusing on the Unilevers, the RBs, the bigger the PNGs of, uh, yeah, PNGs yeah. of the world. They're not creating an infrastructure for, for the SMEs and SMEs are. So if you look at the landscapes, SMEs contribute more to the GDP of Pakistan than, than the big large scale brands. Yeah. Yeah. Sandeep. Yeah, so uh, what I understand is a tech startup getting into intelligent warehousing. So you provide end-to-end, uh, you also assist with warehousing distribution or you only do the tech part? So we, uh, we started with just warehousing and visibility. But once we started getting clients, so it's actually a journey for us. So when we were just focusing on giving people a network of warehouses, but then we realized all of our customers were asking us to arrange trucking and distribution as well, because it's, if you look at a warehouse, it's actually a nerve center for all operations. So uh, we wanted to standardize the experience. That's why we ventured into the trucking arm as well. So right now we are basically providing warehousing and distribution, but strictly just for B2B. So if you look at a supply chain network of a company, their nodes and links, so nodes are anywhere or all of the warehouses that a company is using. And links are wherever the products are moving. It can be a truck, it can be a 40 feet truck, it can be a 20 feeter, it can be a 16 feeter, or it can be a small, uh, a small in our language, what a Suzuki or a Mazda. So it's a very lightweight uh, carriage vehicle. Uh, and we're trying to optimize and give a central point of view or a single point of view to the business to manage his entire supply chain. Okay. Uh, right now we have, we have companies that are operating in multiple facility using multiple types of vehicles. And we're able to give them real-time information about what is stored in which warehouse, what is happening at which, so how many orders are pending at which warehouse, and if there are any delays in the SLAs. For example, if the truck has broken down, which is leading to a choke in one of the warehouses because the truck, so because there's a de- delay in loading the goods or unloading the goods, we're able to alert the company to make a corrective decision. So that's how we're basically giving that real-time information to you companies. You own the uh, software as well. It's a SaaS-based, I, I assume, right? Uh, so it's it's a three-leg solution where we have uh, warehousing, distribution, and then our platform. No, no, the software which you are also talking about, is it on the cloud or you all have a on-premise kind of a thing? It's it's a cloud-based. So we're actually, it's, we call it the sub, uh, cloud supply chain. So it's, okay. it's on cloud but we are also doing the physical operations. Okay. So I so, think then you will have, sorry, go ahead, Max. Yeah, no, Sandeep, go ahead, finish. finish so finish I think it. you will have a, then quite a big team, right? An operations team and a technology team. Uh, quite a substantial yes. team you will need. Yeah, so we are actually operating in about four cities at the moment, uh, in Karachi, Lahore, Islamabad, Multan. We have our own internal warehouses as well as third-party warehouses. So what we do is that we get a warehouse on a rent, we invest in a certain capex, and then we start aggregating demand. So we, we open it up for a large number of consumers to just book it within a week and then move their goods and start operating. And then from there on, we also have third-party players. So maybe the very local 3 peer players who already have warehouses built and they don't have the demand, we bring those players onto our platform. So a customer through a single contact, through a single platform, can actually look at the entire ecosystem, whether it be 3PL players or where provided warehouses, 
and then start operating through them within a matter of weeks. Okay. So, uh, Adil, you mentioned that you are focusing on B2B. Uh, you're helping, obviously, the SMEs, which have, have not been able to work with uh, FreePL uh, doing this. You started also with your previous background in the lighting uh, category, right? Which other categories are you focusing on with your, with your solution or, or the services that you provide right now? So right now our focus is mostly consumer-backed goods. So if you look at food and beverage, uh, lighting, then we have other electronics. So we're mostly focusing on that because we see that there's already a certain route established for the traditional FMCG companies. So people who don't have that route, so there, there can be companies who are producing some home appliances, electrical appliances. There can be companies who are uh, producing any form of CPG product and then okay. they don't have access. And further, we're also assisting a lot of B2B startups. So in the in the recent years, Pakistan has seen a rise in, in the number of startups that are focusing on B2B distribution. And they're actually operating across multiple geographies. So we help them with uh, uh, flexible warehousing across Pakistan as well. So, but when you say food and beverage or, or you know, consumer electronics, you're not doing e-marketplace logistic delivery, right? You don't, right? You, you will sell food and beverage to maybe other distributors or wholesalers who then sell it to their own customers, right? You don't, you're not touching last mile uh, B2C uh, delivery, right? Absolutely. We're very exclusive and we don't intend to go towards that uh, vertical. Um, normally our scope starts from the port and then ends at port or the, or the factory and ends at the large, uh, at the last distribution point which okay. can be a retail store, it can be another factory, it can be another business, or it can be another warehouse. So in our scope, it's the first mile, the distribution center, the middle mile, and the B2B last mile. And then we don't go beyond that. Okay, so this way you're not competing with any marketplace logistic capabilities, right? So, no, we're not. Okay, that's interesting. They actually, we can play a role as an integrator. So normally... Uh, there are trucking marketplaces that you might have heard of. Yeah. So there are companies that are operating on just the trucking side. So we get them on board and then we standardize the experience. So they actually do the trucking part while we manage the visibility for our customers. Hey, just as a follow-up question, I know, I don't know how it is in uh, this part of the world, but in some parts uh, in India, in fact, trucking is a, majorly driven by trade unions. So any kind of marketplace, there's a lot of resistance. So do you have a similar thing or people are more uh, acceptable to have a marketplace kind of thing so that it's an experience for everyone? So I would uh, partially agree to that. So Pakistan is mostly similar to India as well, where we have a very big logistics trade union or um, certain people that, that are managing that. But we have seen the rise of very big startups uh, like truck it in bridge links uh truck share that are and trucker that are operating in the b two b trucking side so they're creating a marketplace and they've actually grown a lot uh we are basically working with them as an integrator so the customer comes to us he moves into one of our warehouses and from there on whenever he needs to deliver a load we tap into their their marketplace and we just match it with the customer's requirement. Uh, the customer does not need to go to any other platform to get the visibility. Through our integrated platform, he's able to monitor all the operations within the warehouse as well as on the trucking side. So we only focus on the technology part with these play, with these players. Ideal. So is there any, any threat for you because there are some other lock tech companies in Pakistan? A number of them are also playing on the hybrid model. You know, they are tech companies, but they also have, you know, tracking, they have warehousing. Maybe they do, they maybe they're more focused on the e-commerce logistic uh, per se and, and do mainly uh, B2C uh, uh, business. But is there any risk for you to actually, you know, overlap with those guys or maybe those guys actually trying to go into B2B as well? Uh, at the moment, uh, we're actually seeing a change of things. Uh, so if you look at these uh, logistics companies, they're only focusing on the movement of goods, whereas we are focusing on the visibility aspect. So in, in a, through our platform, 
customers actually or companies actually know what is traveling within the trucks so or how much of that, how much products are delivered. Whereas these trucking companies are only focusing on the vehicle availability. So that's a big differentiator. And then apart from that, how we are seeing the ecosystem evolving is that uh, in the long run, warehousing is a more sticky business, uh, whereas logistics or just trucking is more uh, uh, frequent. So it's, the demand varies a lot. But once a customer has moved into a warehouse, he will at least stay there for at least six or nine months. Uh, that's our strategy. Uh, right now, we have not seen any of those players actually moving into this category. Whereas what we've seen is actual support from these players, wherever if they have a customer who needs warehousing, they come to us because we already have a network established. Uh, as an entry to barrier, I think it's very important to get the strategic locations right. So let's say right now we are, we are covering about uh, 75% of Pakistan's population within a day. And our plan is to take that up to 90%. And if we have those strategic network placed in uh, before these players could actually move in, then I think we would have a far competitive advantage than, uh, than the rest of the players. Coming to warehousing, I know warehousing, uh, it has changed traditionally. Initially, it was go-downs. Now you have more intelligence, you have more technology. How is it like, how are you seeing the trend? And in fact, uh, as a found co-founder, uh, do you also address the technology piece in a warehouse, like use of AIML or a blockchain or a robots or a drone? So uh, that is part of the grand vision. In Pakistan, like you mentioned, it's very uh, antiquated, the infrastructure. But what we've seen in the uh, in the recent years, and especially after COVID, is that a lot of factory owners or real store owner, uh, owners are actually investing into state of the state of art warehousing. So previously, we had very uh, uh, unintelligent, poorly designed warehouses with a lot of racks, columns that would limit the storage areas. But now we've actually uh, gotten some investors with us who built out state-of-the-art facilities. So they include like 40 feet ceilings without any pillars, with optimized docks and dock lever- levelers on the uh, uh, AI and ML side. So I think that's part of the long, longer-term roadmap. Right now, our focus is to digitize every aspect of the supply chain. So it's been one year and we want to make sure that we're capturing all of that data. Uh, that's the that's the first process. And then the second is analytics. So then how are we able to use that data and make optimized decision? I think Pakistan is not, I think, five years or six years behind the AI and machine learning path. And especially if you look at the capital that is involved uh, in, 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 in the warehousing side, it's mostly rentals and then direct labor. So those are the two main areas where you need to focus on. So obviously direct labor right now or the paralegal staff, the pickers, the packers, the operators, uh, they come at a certain cost. But then obviously you have to look at the opportunity cost of investing into robotics and, uh, uh, any, any IOT form of optimization. Uh, that will always remain the case. Till we see a rising uh, cost in terms of labor. Uh, right now, our focus is to optimize and increase the productivity and make sure that it's error-free. So we're introducing algorithms through our picker app where we make sure that whatever is being picked is accurate, whatever be, whatever uh, whatever product is being dispatched is accurate, and then also ensure the productivity per labor. So we want to make sure that one person is actually maximizing his output instead of hiring just a lot of people. But the IoT part will probably come in five or six years down the road uh, in Pakistan. Adil, your name over has technology in it. Do you see yourself moving forward more as a technology solution provider or uh, more as an operator? Because clearly you have a hybrid model. So how do you see how we're evolving? And you know, do you think you can sustain the operational side? And uh, in, in, in the long run, or you will have eventually to focus just on the software? So our strategy is uh, very straightforward. First, we need to build and learn. So we need to get on the ground and get that experience because I mentioned the, it, the, the infrastructure in Pakistan is completely uh, antiquated. There's yeah. nothing there. So first, we need to get on the ground, build things, learn it, and then implement it in our technology. But the long-term roadmap obviously is so we have large companies in Pakistan 
that are already operating 400, 200 warehouses. And then we also have investors or real estate uh, people investing in warehousing property and move towards the software side. So even right now, our core focus is the platform. And that platform actually enables people to get access to uh, uh, our warehouses across our network, then get that visibility of what's happening in their supply chain, and then later on also help them in making optimized decisions. So that's happening right now. But in terms of deep tech technology, our focus is to be an integrator rather than an automator. So we're already working with different uh, domain expert experts who are investing in racking technologies who are, in, uh, who are uh, investing in uh, AI and ML based picking technologies. So how we are creating our platform is to basically integrate with all of these technologies. Yeah. So in the end, we can become like an integrated layer of software. For example, if a company wants to work with all of these players, then they don't have to integrate one by one with each of these players. We can act as an integrator. So we just do one integration and then we're already integrated with the rest of these people who are investing in deep tech or deep automation. Okay. So how that helps is because the integration in cost in Pakistan is pretty high. And if you look at the cost of implementing or integrating with an SAP Oracle or an, uh, a Microsoft Dynamics, it's very high and also takes a lot of time because of the lack of skilled resources that there are. What we're doing is we're bridging that gap by being an integrated layer. So companies do not need to integrate with any other software every time. We're already creating an integrated API layer. It's a, it's a standard integration layer, which can easily be integrated with any ERP within a week. So no more lengthy integration periods. So normally on average, it takes about six months to a year just to integrate in Pakistan. So we're bringing that, that, that down to a week. And then also what we're doing is that we're creating this connected world where even companies who don't have expensive ERPs like SAP, Oracle, or Microsoft, they can just use our platform to optimize their network and get that real-time visibility through our platform. Okay. Sandeep? Okay. As a, all this needs money, right? I Again, I don't want to uh, say that one part is difficult or the other, but usually the aggregation part is slightly easier than the operation part. But since you are doing both, so that actually costs a lot of money. So how is your startup funded? Uh, do, is it, do you have invested in your own, with your own savings or do you have a VC or how is it? So initially, uh, it was, we started with our own, uh, money, uh, but then we got, uh, investment from, uh, global investors, including Flexport, uh, including the ratio ventures. So most of our investors from some Silicon Valley, and then we have strategic angels. So we have the founder of Dropbox, founder of Payback, and then the founder of Kalen Invest who invested in us. And we have re- recently raised about $3.3 million in February. And obviously, we are a venture-backed startup and our plan is to grow aggressively. And then obviously, but if you look if you, in the long run, if you look at uh, uh, the logistics sector, especially, it's a game of scale. So like I mentioned, we need to create that network. We need to have those strategic warehouses in Pakistan and then other regions as well. Because that's where we can, we'll be able to bridge the gap for, especially for SMEs. So if we open up a warehouse outside the city and it doesn't have any commercial impact, then obviously it would cause, uh, it would not result in conversion of customers. So we're investing in the future by building out prime strategic areas and then also making sure. So scalability comes in. So right now we're only operating about 15 warehouses, but then we have other 3PL players. So one of the key 3PL players in Pakistan have basically incorporated their own warehouse into our platform. So they do all the operations. We don't, we only manage the visibility and the SLAs, but they carry out all the, all the operations. And then we're seeing a rise in these 3PL players and individual investors. So right now we have five 3PL warehouses onto our platform, but eventually what that would do is once our technology is scalable, we'll op- open this up to other investors as well. So it'll be like a franchise model. So we've already created a standard playbook for warehousing. And just to highlight, this doesn't exist in Pakistan. There is no standard playbook for warehousing in Pakistan. So first we need to create that standard playbook for warehousing. Then we'll, we'll be able to franchise it to investors, to real estate moguls, to people who already have land available in Pakistan 
and who want to basically get good return on their investments. Mm-hmm. And we're already seeing this case. So we're already working with a with one of the most influential investors in Pakistan. They're creating a state of the art hundred hundred fifty thousand square feet facility for us. We don't own the asset. We only have a month, like a early rental agreement with them. But they also see the opportunity where what they what we're doing is just managing their place. So we will manage the place. We will get the customers. We will build out the warehouse. Okay. And just manage the experience. Mm. So that's the long term vision. But I think right now, being on the ground and seeing how things are in Pakistan, we need to operate and finalize our playbook. Okay, yeah. so the fact that Flexport is an investor uh, DL, do they also provide technology for, uh, to you? So they're helping us with our technology. So, for example, Flexport is an investor in us, and Flexport is one of the. Oops. We basically build scalable technology. Uh, interesting thing: this just happened last week. Is that uh, since Sandeep mentioned the fast bit. So there's one of one large petroleum companies in Pakistan. They basically produce motor oil and uh, engine oil. Uh, they approached us just for the software. So so we do see this playing out as a SaaS uh, bit as well. But our focus right now is to build, uh, learn, and then obviously uh, uh, go towards the technology side. If they, if they are part of the, the solution, for, I mean, I'm not a, an expert on Flexport, but is there some some kind of solution from Flexport that you might be also using and adapting for Pakistan as well? Is that is that uh, in the plan? Yes. So Flexport is uh, normally working on uh, ship freight, and th- what normally happens is that we have a lot of textile exporters who ship to the U.S. and regions where Flexport is operating. Yes. And yeah. there, there is a plan to integrate where we can provide warehousing and uh, distribution to Flexport, and Flexport can manage the entire experience for for those I companies yeah. where they're already doing. Okay. All right. Yeah. It looks like we're losing you a bit. Yeah. Yes, Andit. Yeah. So uh, that means uh, you have a mix of people uh, who are skilled on the operations and a mix of people who are skilled on the tech side, right? So how do you manage? Like, uh, you have people who are uh, only from Pakistan, or you have people all across. I know the operations part has to be physical, but the tech part, uh, do you have people working remotely from other locations or it's only within Pakistan? So how we've distributed is that given my tech background, I'm mostly looking at commercials, uh, technology and engineering. And then my co-founder Raza is more focusing on the operations, uh, finance. Uh, We already have a 20 person engineering team uh, at the moment. And then we have a dedicated product team. So we have six people in product and then 20 people in engineering who are just focusing on building out this experience for companies. Right now, all of our customers are actually using our platform. And so we worked with actually one of the biggest companies in Pakistan. Uh, they're, one of, they're, they're actually an MNC and they're, they're still using our platform to get that visibility because they say that SAP is not able to give them that real-time visibility and SAP just act as a, a accounting system rather than an operations management system. So I think mm-hmm. the mindset needs to change with ERP as well. And that's what our approach is that we don't want to build out an ERP, but rather build out an experience through our technology. Uh, on the operations part, we have uh, regional managers. So people who are looking at South of Pakistan, looking, uh, people at, looking at Central Pakistan and look, people looking at North Pakistan, and then we have a direct sales team that basically works with key accounts and uh, basically helps these customers to get onboarded to our platform. And then we have a commercial excellence team. The commercial excellence team basically looks at entirely the customer experience. Uh, Our focus for the long term is to grow and build out our engineering team because that's actually the investment. And that's what our IP is, our platform. And that's what we will be building out in the future and making sure that there is 100% adoption uh, and obviously going into our next round of funding with that traction. Okay. Ideal. Um, so you mentioned a number of technology uh, solution providers. 
Uh, some of them are big uh, ERP, uh, you know, uh, vendors, but they are also a number of best of breed vendors, you know, um, Info, Blue Yonder, Manhattan Associates, uh, a lot of those guys which are focusing on the, the exact same space as you do. Uh, is there a risk for you to kind of reinvent the wheel and, and redo or rebuild what those guys have already provided or, or done? Or maybe are those people, are those companies operating in Pakistan, are they interested in the market? So some of these companies are operating in Pakistan, but like I mentioned, they come with the ERP mindset. Uh, but okay. One of the one one of the main things where they break down is whenever they start to work with external players, so they don't offer or they don't have any platform to cater to a three PL or a uh, external players' visibility. So if you have an SAP, then you would not be able to install it with another three PL player. You would have to need some form of integration, which okay. does not exist in Pakistan. But if, That's but where even, we come in. But the idea of companies like Blue Yonder, for example, have a free PR platform, right? So, and there are some other, so are they not, is, is it a potential competition for you in the long run? So I, I, I don't think they're a competition because the landscape in Pakistan is pretty different from where Blue Yonder is operating. They're mostly working with uh, larger companies and they yeah. don't have a solution for the SMEs. And even if you look at their pricing, it's very, very expensive. Uh, on, on the second, Secondly, I think the technology that we're trying to build is completely different. So we're not just focusing on one company. We're trying to create a connected world. So a connected yes. world includes okay. co- a, co- a company, over and then external 3PL players. So through our platform, the company can bring in their own assets as well as uh, their own distribution trucks. We have our own warehouses and trucks deployed and then there are three peer players that have deployed their assets, including warehouses and logistics. So it's basically like an AWS for warehousing where you can just integrate and then increase your network as you grow and then scale it down once you uh, start to deep grow okay. without, without facing or without incurring any, uh, any uh, direct cost or fixed cost. Yes, Andy. Yeah. So uh, in terms of, again, I know you spoke about your background, what you do. So what motivates you? Like, what do you want to do in life? I know you wanted to make an impact, uh, like something the founder of Kareem do. So what do you want to do in life? What is your, what do you say, life's purpose, if, if I may ask? No, I think uh, that's a, I think that, so for me personally, I think uh, especially it's to build uh, out the ecosystem in Pakistan that helps the the small guys, so the SMBs, the the local shop traders, because those people act, actually make up the economy of Pakistan, and they're those people are actually the ones that are contributing to the welfare of Pakistan. Whereas if you look at larger people, uh, larger clients, and larger customers, they're just in it for the profit. So our focus is to build an infrastructure and personally, personally, I want to make an impact where we're able to give or create an operating software for these people to easily adapt to and then grow with that. So I'm, Sandeep, I'm pretty sure you would know how like in, in India has seen a lot of digitization in the, in the recent years and how that has changed or impacted people in the middle income strata or lower middle income strata, how India has, has been able to increase their, uh, uh, so people in their middle income category. So now they're more middle class Indians than before. And that is actually creating a positive impact for the Indian economy. Whereas in Pakistan, we're actually seeing the opposite. So what we want to do is create those railroads for these people to grow, for businesses to grow, to basically create, produce, deliver quality products. So for Pakistan, and it's essential that we create those tools. So if businesses don't have that tool, they won't be able to grow. So okay. I personally know a lot of lot of businesses, especially in Pakistan, they're very small manufacturers. They're either based in very interior suburban areas of Pakistan and they don't have access to the urban markets. So imagine they don't even have access to Karachi, which is like one of the biggest sports cities in the world uh, and Islamabad, which is the capital of the world. And they're producing quality products and they're only confined to the territory within, so where they're based from. 
So firstly, it's very important to create that access for these businesses or these people. Uh, they can be from any part of Pakistan. So firstly, for me, uh, being in, so I think firstly what impacted the most after I had le- left Kareem, when I started Novo, and I went, when I actually, so obviously being in a tech company, everything was pretty uh, advanced in terms of understanding and practices and, and, and the tools that we were using. But once I started my own company and was actually on the ground and went to very remote areas of Pakistan for my distribution, I saw that there's so much potential in Pakistan, but still we are not able to provide them with that access. And if we do, then I think that will basically create a positive impact, not just for Pakistan, but for the world itself, because we have quality products all across the country. Adia, this is great. But again, you have investors. So what is the exit strategy for you? Uh, You know, what are you looking (laughs) at? (laughs) Because the investors probably don't have the same mindset as you do. So for us, I think it's a long, so we're in it for the long term. Uh, I know, but what, if, what do you, if you see look at the, be the exit? Yeah, uh, being bought by another look at the, software vendor, or you know, what, what could be the, the exit? Yeah. So if you look at the current landscape, what we've seen happening is that, especially in the supply chain or logistics landscape, there have been multiple major acquisitions. So recently, DS3 acquired Agility uh, for about three point six billion dollars, and then we also saw Maersk. Uh, uh, acquiring a lot of companies so they recently acquired off logistics for about yeah. another 4 billion dollars 4.1 billion dollars and then uh, recently we saw delivery which is a company in india did their ipo in a very in, in the current macroeconomic conditions they were able to do an ipo at about 4.5 billion dollars and then their shares were oversubscribed and also traded uh, increase of 10% in their share price in the in the following week after the IPO. So, and I think overall, uh, it's pretty clear that supply chain or creating sustainability through supply chain is the focus for the next years. Uh, we're actually part of this uh, incubator. It's called the Supply Chain Lab, run by 1871 from Chicago. And we have all, uh, I think, one of the top uh, supply chain companies from the world. So startups, corporates, and I think the current strategy or the current I think what we're talking with our investors is that for for the next five years, we need to build out sustainability across across the globe, not just Pakistan. And then I think the long-term goal would be doing an IPO okay. for, for us. But we do see potential exits and it's it's very, I think short term, there are exits possible. But I think still, firstly, for us as the founding team, that would purely be a strategic decision. We would not want to leave the company. We will still be working as employees because we're very passionate about it yeah. and uh, it will just merely be a financial call whether if someone wants to buy us out and okay. that's also possible. Sandeep, final question before we wrap up. So I think that's a very uh, good part is you are trying to address the medium and small uh, enterprises, which is I think the backbone of any economy, be it Pakistan or India, because India, we have a problem of that. Uh, the technology is still expensive. It is not affordable for medium and small. So in terms of your pricing, how have you made it affordable uh, for medium and small enterprise? So normally how our pricing model works is the software is free, completely free right now. And then we work on a very variable uh, revenue model where we price per pellet, per square feet, per unit. So if you if you store about 20 pellets in a warehouse, then we'll only bill you for those 20 pellets. If you only use two trucks to deliver your products, we will not bill you the entire cost. So if you look at the entire costing, even on market rates, it's actually very cost effective because the, the company does not need to spend anything on fixed cost. Uh, apart from that, yes, we acknowledge the fact that there are certain uh, adoption elements that we need to focus on. So our strategy is to give a very cost-to-cost pricing right now initially. So just to acquire users and take them through that experience of what we're building. And once we're able to give them that very uh, solid experience of how end-to-end supply chain visibility looks like, and I think that's where we can start our premium pricing. So if you look at the unit economics, 
normally a warehouse breaks even at 70%. Uh, and what we see is that if a customer books a warehouse for a very short term, then we can add a premium element to it. So for example, uh, normally our cost or our price per pellet for one month would be around $5. Uh, for a 12-month contract, that would be about $3. But we're able to get that premium for a very short-term contract from, from small-medium businesses. Mm-hmm. And even for the business, it's actually very positive because they're not, they're not investing in any fixed costs or any upfront direct costs, which they would have to if they're not working with us uh, if they get it, so uh, any manufacturer or distributor has only three options: either to uh, either to build out the warehouse, either to rent the warehouse, or contract the warehouse. In the building part, obviously, it's very difficult and requires a lot of time and cost as well. On the rental part, again, they have to pay rents and then manage the entire warehouse themselves. And obviously, they won't be able to focus on their core business. And on the contracting contracting part. They can contract with Over, which offers no minimum charge, flexible pricing, uh, pay-as-you-use cost model, or you can go with traditional 3PL players who basically do a five-year lengthy contract or uh, put some minimum charge in the contract. So I think there is eventually what we're doing is offering cost savings or is offering these SMBs a very, very convenient pricing model. Definitely. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Ideal. Okay, I've got some uh, quick fire questions before we, we close this interview. Uh, so get ready. It's going to be quick. Uh, cats or dogs? Bugs. <laughs> Window or aisle? Aisle. Your favorite action movie? My favorite action movie is actually, it's not action, but it's Lord of the Rings. It has action. Okay. What is your favorite sandwich? If you eat sandwich. Uh, I do eat sandwiches. Turkey bacon. What's your most used app on your phone? Right now it's WhatsApp and then my uh, then my Slack. Okay. What's your favorite tool to build your company beyond Slack? So I think uh, Asana is very good and I'm using Asana. Okay. Describe the rest of your life in five words. <laughs> Rest Four of your life. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so passionate, uh, optimistic, and uh, I think challenging the status quo. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Adil. This was Adil Isar from Award Technology in Pakistan. I want to thank you very much for uh, being with us, Adil. It was great. Thank you, Max, and thank you, Sandeep. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you guys, and I hope. Uh, it helps and we would love to be part of the adventure ahead for Chaintech. Definitely, we'll stay in touch with you. Thanks uh, again, Sandeep, uh, for joining uh, me on this interview. Again, I want to remind everybody that you guys can uh, watch this episode on the different uh, platform that we manage and we'll be uh, pushing the other podcast over the different channels that uh, GSCC and uh, Chaintech has. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you.